A Focus Summary of Part 1, Chapter 15, and Part 2, Chapter 16 of Silas Marner. Godfrey Cass observed Eppie's growth with keen attention, but he dared not do anything for her that would imply he had a peculiar personal interest. He hoped that some day he might be able to further her welfare without incurring suspicion. With his wife dead and Duncy absent, Godfrey's freedom to pursue Nancy made him appear a reformed man capable of firmness. He saw in his future a happy life with Nancy smiling on him as he played with the children. And he would, of course, provide for that other child, too. Sixteen years later, the bells of the Ravelot Church were ringing and the parishioners making their way out of the arched doorway. Foremost among them was Godfrey Cass, not much changed in feature from the youthful version, and Nancy, for whom the bloom of her cheek might only now come fitfully, but whose beauty possessed a heightened interest. Behind them walked Nancy's father and Priscilla, and together they all turned toward the Red House. It would have been impossible to mistake Silas Marner, though his once short-sighted eyes had gained a longer vision. At his side was Eppie, now a dimpled girl of eighteen. It was to her dismay that the little ringlets of her auburn hair burst away from their restraining comb and showed beneath her bonnet crown, since she thought smooth hair superior and she wished to be blameless in all things. But the good-looking young man walking behind her, of whom she pretended not to be aware, did not want Eppie's hair to be different. As they walked along, Eppie told Silas of her desire for a little garden. She added quickly that she wouldn't want him to do the digging, since the work would be too hard, but he assured her he was happy to oblige. Entering the conversation without invitation, the young man insisted that he could do the digging and supply the soil from Mr. Cass's garden. Silas was not aware of the presence of the young man, whom he addressed as Aaron but Eppie seemed a happy conspirator in a prearranged plan. Silas acceded to their conspiracy, on the condition that they not ask anything of value from Mr. Cass, given how generous he had been with them already. Aaron insisted it would be no imposition, and then said he must hurry home to his mother. Silas suggested that when Aaron return, he bring her along. After Aaron departed, Eppie skipped around and squeezed Silas's arm in roguish triumph. Arriving at the cottage, Eppie and Silas were greeted with the warm presence of happy animal life, a terrier dancing around their legs, a kitten hiding under the loom, and the mother cat sunning herself in the window. The room was filled with furnishing unlikely to be found in so poor a cottage, and provided by Godfrey Cass who gave the excuse that a man who brought up an orphan and lost his money, too, ought to be helped by those who could. The superstitions that lingered around Silas had taken on a new color. Mr. Macy was now of the opinion that the money was sure to come to light again, or the robber made to answer for it. Silas warmed their supper over the fire. He had never consented to add an oven to his conveniences. The hearth was where he had found Eppie, and he loved it like his brown jug. Silas ate his supper more silently than usual, watching Eppie play with the pets and laugh merrily, beautiful in her dark blue gown. 
After supper, Eppie offered to tidy up so that Silas might go out in the sunshine and smoke his pipe. It was a habit he had taken to, not because he enjoyed it, but because it was one his neighbors held to be good. And he conformed to the customs and beliefs of Ravelo for Eppie's sake. The human trust that come of peace and joy made Silas wonder whether some error on his part had brought about the dark days of his early life. As it grew easier for him to open up to Dolly, he shared with her the details of his sad story. Dolly was grieved by Silas's account of the drawing of lots. She felt sure that wise folks well-versed in the Bible would never let him be turned out for a thief if he was innocent. She could make no sense of it, but she would think it over while she was working, when things often came to her. Not long after, she reported to Silas that after a lot of confusion, it suddenly came to her clear. She concluded that the men who had drawn lots were doing what they believed was right, and that finding him guilty was part of some larger, inscrutable, divine plan. From broken limbs to childhood fevers, to contrary people, there are things we must suffer, and trust that there is a good and a right bigger than we know. If Silas could be accused of an error, it was that if he had only trusted, he wouldn't have been so alone. Silas agreed that there must have been more good than he could see, because Epi was sent to him. Sometimes in those quiet outpourings that come to people who live together in perfect love, Silas would tell Epi, too, of his past. He never hid from her that she was not his child. Epi had long known that her mother had died in the snow, and that Silas had found her on his hearth, taking her for his lost gold. Not until Silas showed Epi the wedding ring found on her mother's finger did it occur to her that she must also have had a father, for she had a father who loved her better than any of the village fathers loved their daughters. But her knowledge of Mrs. Winthrop made her feel that a mother was something precious, and again and again she asked Silas about her own. He had told her how he found her mother against the furze bush, and one day Eppie asked if they might move it into the garden. He agreed they should, and suggested Aaron might build a fence to protect it. Eppie thought they might build one of stones— and in an effort to prove she possessed the strength for such a chore, went down to the stone pit to lift one. She exclaimed to Silas how far the water had gone down in the pit, when it had been full just the day before. After a few steps, she let the stone fall, laughing at her failed proof of strength. With an air of needing resolution to pronounce the words, Silas told Eppie she needed someone to work for her, and someone stronger than he. In doing so, he had opened the door to the question of marriage, and Eppie stepped through it. She asked whether she would be married with her mother's ring, revealed that Aaron had talked to her about marriage, confessed that some day she intended to have him, said that Silas could live with them so he needn't do a bit of work, and asked whether Aaron hadn't always been good to him. Silas said he had, as he was his mother's son. Silas thought she was too young to be married, but he said they could talk it over with Mrs. Winthrop, and allowed that Eppie needed someone young and strong to take care of her to the end. So they went off to talk to Dolly, Eppie's godmother. <laughs>